turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Bruce Hooley Show. We've reached the end of another week. Exciting night for many kids in school, whether they play high school football or just are going to be attending. It is the start of the high school football season. It's an opportunity for communities to unite, for uh, the pride of local communities to build, and also a time for conversation between uh, people who send kids to those schools. And there's a lot to talk about regarding our schools because as we start another school year, parents have to be more vigilant than ever before. I'll explain why momentarily. First, invite you to be a part of our conversation, 844-TALK-989. 844-TALK-989 is our number. That's uh, good for you, whether you are listening on 94.5 in Dayton or on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus. We'll talk to Jack Windsor, the Ohio Press Network, at the top of the 12 o'clock hour. Uh, Jack, with some interesting revelations regarding the uh, supposed campaign finance violations by Joe Blystone during his uh, grassroots run for governor of the state of Ohio. And we'll talk about what I just spoke about, the things parents need to be aware of. I touched on the OHS survey the other day that's being uh, forced upon kids. In schools in Ohio, questions that I don't think are appropriate for any teacher to be asking. But those kinds of questions are being asked of kids, even if they're not 7th graders and up, which is the group of kids that the OHS survey from the Ohio Department of Health is supposed to be restricted to. Yesterday, I received word from a concerned parent, a parent whose child attends elementary school in the Worthington School District. The child, and I'm not going to tell you whether the child is a boy or a girl, and I'm not going to tell you if the parent was a man or a woman, because I do my dead-level best here to protect the identities of people who have um, genuinely held deep, heartfelt concerns about the direction of our culture, and I'm not going to out them, whether it's in an email to the building principal or whether it is on the air. But at any rate, I received a call. No, I I received word from a concerned parent about their child who attends Granby Elementary School in Worthington. Granby Elementary School in Worthington. And the child was asked about their pronouns, their preferred pronouns. So now, I've watched enough woke videos corporate seminars and the like, to know that even the devotees of the whole gender pronoun nonsense say that it is impolite and impertinent to ask 
people their gender pronouns, that they are supposed to be volunteered, that it's an intrusion on their safe space to ask them about their pronouns. But this child was asked about pronouns yesterday. I placed a call. I sent an email. Will I hear anything back? Of course not. Of course not. So uh, Patty Schlegel is the uh, chief administrator at Granby Elementary School. Uh, I've emailed Patty. And if I don't hear from Patty, maybe I'll put Patty's email address on our Facebook page and on my Twitter and on my other social media channels. So perhaps you can let Patty know that this is a matter of importance to you. That little children who should be uh, free of the concerns of indoctrination and wokeism are being mentally abused by their teachers at Granby Elementary School. Now, what about kids in Columbus City Schools? Are they going to be going back to school? Doesn't look like it. Well, they're going to be going back to Zoom school because that's what the Columbus Board of Education has deemed an appropriate response to what appears to be a looming strike by the district's 4,000-member union. They met last night. Ooh, a marathon bargaining session. Ooh-wee. A marathon bargaining session lasted 12 hours. That's long. Marathon? Hmm, I don't know. I've worked many 12-plus-hour days in my life. Not fun, but I mean, for a teacher, 12 hours? Are you crazy? Like, come on, man. That's oppression. (laughs) So they met for 12 hours. They ordered out for pizza. No, they weren't in there starving. I'm pretty sure you paid for that pizza, by the way, taxpayers. And uh, they will meet again on Sunday. They'll take a vote Sunday night at the Greater Columbus Convention Center, and I'll be stunned. Unless, of course, the Board of Education, all of whom were endorsed by the Columbus Education Association, when they ran for election to the school board, all of them were endorsed by the teachers. They got elected. Now the teachers, maybe the teachers are like, hey, hey, we endorsed you. Like, come on, come on, give us a 20-plus percent raise. Come on, man, a 3% raise, that ah, doesn't even keep up with inflation. Yeah, but you voted for Joe Biden. Ah, come on, don't bother me with details. So they got a second final offer from the Board of Education, supposedly, that did not have, according to news reports, guarantees of fixing all buildings with uh, air conditioning and better heating systems. And the uh, teachers say that uh, they don't want to strike. They don't want to strike. We remain committed to bargaining at any time and are unwavering in our fight for the schools Columbus students deserve. I think you're committed to the fight for the benefits you think you deserve. Because I think if you put this up to a vote of the kids, they would vote thumbs down on the Zoom schooling starting next week, thumbs down on the canceling of their sports and extracurricular activities, and thumbs up on actually going back to school being able to uh, get their nutritional meals that they don't get somewhere else, and um, actually learning from a teacher, hopefully mask-free. Although not if uh, Makisha Roberts has anything to say about it at Columbus Public Health. Uh, Also, the Board of Education, and this is how you know that they were voted in and are simpatico with the teachers. One of the things the board agreed to do in its final, final, final offer, (laughs) its super-duper final offer, was give the Columbus Education Association 
a seat at the table to address, here we go, equity-based staffing. Yay! More wokeness. More minorities, whether they're qualified or not. I have no problem with minorities teaching. I would just like them to be qualified. Equity-based staffing. Anytime you hear equity, you know what equity means. It means somebody deserving is going to have to give up something they've earned to give it to someone who hasn't earned it. That's equity, brother, sister. That's equity. I worked for it. I deserved it. I merit it. You didn't, but I have to give it to you. Hence, we have equity. (laughs) And coincidentally, socialism and Marxism. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. Not really funny. Unless it's in a depressing sort of way. Now, speaking of depressing, President Joe Biden says he is coming to Ohio when Intel officially breaks ground on his $20 billion investment in New Albany. Joe Biden is coming to Ohio to take credit for something he had absolutely nothing to do with. Which, if you were him, you would do because he can't take credit for anything he's actually done because everything he's actually done has turned to manure. Now, this brings up an interesting dilemma for Democratic Senate candidate Tim Ryan, who loves to take credit for stuff he didn't do either because, like Joe Biden, in 20 years representing the Mahoning Valley, Tim Ryan has never gotten anything done except rename a couple post offices. So Tim Ryan would dearly love to come, and somebody told me he even had to put his name on the CHIPS Act, which well, maybe good good for him. He He's out of the post office renaming business, and he's into actually being a legislator when he's not you know, out campaigning for another legislative job by ceding his vote to a proxy in the Senate, or in the uh, House. But Tim Ryan... What does he do now? What, what does Tim Ryan do? Does he does he also come to the Intel groundbreaking and go, yeah, look at me, like I'm here and I'm, I had a big role in this? Is it possible he could come and not be caught in a shot on television or in a still photograph with Joe Biden? What does Tim Ryan do if Joe Biden walks over to him, as Joe Biden is is wont to do? Joe Biden walks over to him, stumbles over to him, bumbles over to him, and sticks out his hand to shake his hand. And you know the problem with Biden, shaking Biden's hand, you know the problem is, then he, like two seconds later, forgets that he shook your hand, and he reaches out to shake it again. And so if photographers miss the first shot, there's a chance Tim Ryan might have to, like, shake it twice. Quite the dilemma for Tim Ryan. Now, Joe Biden says he's also coming here to tout his Safer America plan. Don't you feel safer? Living in a city where we've had record murder totals the last two years, where we have uh, almost 10,000 car thefts planned for this coming year. Don't you feel safer? Uh, One of the great benefits of my show is that I get to talk to a lot of police officers because they listen to my show. I have uh, some inside info on the whole stolen car situation in Columbus. And you will be uh, probably not surprised. Probably you'll say, aha, when I tell you why the effort to stop car thieves isn't working. So I saw a stat today that, according to the uh, woke Institute of Government Studies at Cal Berkeley, 
downtowns in America that have the worst recovery rate since the pandemic. Uh, Cleveland, Ohio, 36% recovery. And uh, then I heard Geraldo Rivera talking about that, and he talked about how there are over 100 murders in Cleveland, and that you take your life in your hands when you go downtown after dark. Now, we have not hit 100 murders yet here in Columbus, but we will soon. Don't know your numbers in Dayton, but I see a shooting reported on your television and newspaper websites virtually every day. Nobody feels safe or shouldn't in America's Democrat-run cities, which is to say almost every major city. So what's the deal with crime? Why don't the cops stop the crime? Well, having had the opportunity to speak to um, several different police officers in several different police departments, Over the past month, uh, I can tell you that the answer to why we have a proliferation of crime is because we have super bad leadership from our city's mayors, city councils, and maybe not even always the police chiefs and their lieutenants, but not always the best leadership either. It's a matter of priorities. You see... Uh, In speaking to one veteran Columbus police officer, I was asking about the 10,000 car thefts. And, you know, it's 365 days in a year. Uh, 365 into 10,000, that's like 30 car thefts a day. Seems like a lot. Okay? Seems like a real lot. And I was told that the chief has said in front of officers, you know, they meet periodically, the chief addressed the officers, that property crimes, and that's what they consider a car theft to be, a property crime. Property crimes, nobody cares. Now, I care if it's my car. I went out to the parking lot yesterday and I thought, am I just exceedingly lucky or is it the part of town in which I work where I come out and I'm not surprised that my car is still where I parked it in the morning? But in a lot of parts of Columbus, you walk out, I mean, it's a, it's your own little personal lottery as to whether or not your car is going to be there or not. Now, some of this, you might say, well, it's staffing, Bruce. Okay, it is staffing. But now I have a clearer picture on why the staffing of Columbus police is lagging behind. You say, oh paid 100 officers $200,000 to retire to get rid of them. Um, Of course they're behind. They can't replenish fast enough. There's that. That's true. It's true. But it's also exacerbated, the staffing issue, by the fact that I'm told today congratulations are in order for nine lieutenants, four commanders, quite a few... uh, Officers being promoted over at CPD. And um, if they were being promoted to, say, like a gang task force or like a uh, car theft crackdown task force, I'd be all about that. No, they're being promoted to basically pencil pushing jobs. Jobs that, you know, on paper sound good. Can you think of any titles that might sound good? On on paper for a police officer? How about... uh, Community Outreach Director. Uh, How about um, 
community liaison. How about uh, diversity coordinator? That's what they're being promoted to. Okay. Which will take officers, presumably, from positions where they're doing like actual police work and put them into jobs where they'll continue to draw a really pretty good salary, but won't have any real consequence on the property crimes that Elaine Bryant, Lashana Potts, and the police leadership say nobody cares about. My guess is that Chief Bryant and uh, Assistant Chief Potts would care a lot about it if it were their cars that were being stolen, or if it were them who were being pistol-whipped or robbed at gunpoint. Now, I asked uh, one of the officers that I spoke with, I said, I sounded like George Costanza, am I wrong? (laughs) Isn't stealing a car a felony? Is that wrong? And I was assured, yes, it is a felony. And I'm like, so we are in the city of Columbus in the practice of not caring about felonies. And I was told that, you know, actually, there is a prosecutor in the prosecutor's office who deals with juveniles who is very good at their job and will charge these juveniles, including all the juveniles, in a stolen car. But, but, when it comes to the adult prosecutors in Columbus, if you catch an adult stealing a car, and they do, they do steal cars, about 10 to 15% of the car thefts, are committed by adults. If they catch multiple adults in the car, the stolen car, that makes you an accessory to a crime, by the way. Same as the person who committed the crime. They just let them go. Four people in the car, charge one. Let the others go. Uh, Last year, last year, City of Columbus, one of the officers estimates they had 500 felony cases not indicted. 500 felony cases not indicted. Now I say, well, maybe those were cases where they didn't quite have the evidence. They went to the grand jury. They couldn't get an indictment. Hmm, no, no. 500 felony cases where they had confessions on tape. Now, I've never sat on a grand jury, but if I'm sitting on a grand jury and somebody shows me a videotape of a perpetrator confessing to the crime, I'm raising my hand in the A portion of the who wants to indict this criminal. Um. The adult prosecutors don't feel comfortable charging them. Hmm. Why would that be? Why would that be? Would that be because you know that if you charge too many adults, Mayor Andrew Ginther may take a a dim view of that. Council President Shannon Harden may take a dim view of that. Because if you charge those adults, well, those adults might be voters. And those adults might tell friends who are voters. And if they're held accountable for crimes that they've committed, then Andrew Ginther might not be able to be mayor anymore the next time he has to run. And Shannon Harden might not win his next election as city council president. So they are understaffed. They largely do not care about the car theft problem. They have bad leadership. Um, Friendly leadership. The cops told me that Chief Bryant, Chief Potts are fun to talk to. They just don't get anything done. 